Good morning, everyone, and welcome to each one. <clears throat> Look what I found. <clears throat> Apparently, we didn't grab them all last time, but no clothespins today. So we're going to talk about suffering from responsibility this morning. So do you, would you say you suffer from responsibility, or it's a burden, or it's hard? Um, do you carry the weight of responsibility in parenting, or providing for your family? Or how about church responsibility, or school, or whatever? How would you describe that burden? Some people, maybe they don't think about it. And I, I know people are different. Some, yeah, it bothers them some. Um, some people really, really struggle with it, and they can't take it anymore. So that's what I want to talk about. <clears throat> there are stories in the Bible. Um, the one that came to my mind was the story about Mary and Martha. Uh, Moses when he struck the rock, Elijah when he was discouraged with the weight of responsibility, and Solomon when he saw all the people that were going to be relying on him. I'm not going to I'm not going to look at any of those, um, but there's also stories about people who did incredible things, um, like Noah that he stuck with it and he built the ark. That's incredible, and Joseph in in Egypt, the things that he did there were incredible. Imagine going from being a prisoner to being second in command and all the responsibility that he had dumped on him. And it was not just from the king, but from God as well, I believe. So how is, how is the burden of your responsibility? What, what is it like? I, yeah. Are you surviving? For me, I, I think a good illustration of, of the weight of responsibility is like swimming. So it's fun and good until you get too much. We, you know, people love the water and we, you know, we'll dive in and swim and play, but we constantly got to grab onto something and rest. You know, we might... We're going to see if we can swim all the way out there and back, and hopefully we can do it, because <laughs> if we don't, we're in trouble, right? But we need to rest. <clears throat> Sometimes our experience with responsibility can be like a rip current, where all of a sudden we're sucked in, and there's nothing we can do. And there's nothing to grab. The current will pull you in deeper where there's no escape. And the thing that you were enjoying, um, dabbling in, whatever, that was normal life, will kill you. Does your experience with stress and responsibility feel like you're swimming in an ocean with nothing to grab? And no rescuer in sight. And when you feel like you have no strength left, then the sharks come and start circling. To the person that is struggling, I would say... Um, there's some wise counselors, and some of you are probably thinking this right now. A wise counselor would say, hey, you need to learn to say no. And that's really good advice. But you can't say no to everything. When it's time to chop, 
A farmer can't say no. When a school teacher, when the bell rings in the morning and it's time to stand before his class, he can't say no. When a baby wakes up again for the eighth time, a mom can't say no. There's things we can't say no to. It's really good advice, but it's not applicable to everything. Um, How about we need to delegate? Again, really good advice. Um, And especially, I would say, in in church work, you know, spread it around. There's other people that can do the work, too, and that's it's good to use everybody. But you can't always delegate. There's some things in life that only you can do. Only you are equipped with what it takes to do it. For example, only you are your child's father. Delegating is wise, and we should do... We should do that as much as possible, but it's not always possible. Um, sometimes God gives us something that only we can do. Um, or how about we need to manage our time better? Uh, make a schedule. If you would organize better, you would get more things done. If you'd have a private office. <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. Um, and I'm a big fan of that. But sometimes all that it does, like, so, okay, so I'm going to organize, I'm going to write everything down, and it just proves that I don't have enough time to do what I have to do. There's no way I can get everything done. You know, with time, we all have the same amount of time, and we all use it all. Like, so, <clears throat> there's, we can't put time in the bank and save it for later. You know, we can't, you know, we're going to do this and save some time. You can't save up time. Time is, at the, at the beginning of every day, we have 24 hours, And at the end of every day, it's all gone. It's all used up. So we can do things, um, you know, and and it can be helpful, you know, to prioritize and and say, okay, this is important. When When we accept another responsibility, we're saying no to something that we currently do because we're using all of our time right now. Um, so, you know, you can cut out things like social media, um, you might be surprised that you spend 5% of your time every day on social media. be interesting to, to track that. Um, one thing that was irritating for me was putting our girls to bed at night. Like, I would go in and lay down with them, and and, it, and they don't just go to sleep like I do. Like, <laughs> I can go to sleep like that. And that takes them, like, 45 minutes sometimes or an hour, and it's so frustrating. And, it's, and you can't do anything in there. You know, you can't have a light on and read, or you can't, you can't do anything. And I don't like to be on my phone when I'm with them a lot, and I don't think that's good. And so you just lay there for an hour, and it's such a waste. <clears throat> Another thing that you might be thinking is that you need to change your perspective. It's all about perspective. You know, you have it so easy. The, the thing that you're burdened with... Um, you know, you might say, Gary, your life is easy. I am on call 24-7, and so don't complain to me about it. Or I have, you know, I have 100 employees. Don't come fussing to me about how bad your life is. And uh, perspective is good. Um, we may feel like we're going through a time of really intense suffering and struggle and forget that somebody else would trade everything they have to be in your shoes to have your life perspective is good um yeah if you think raising your children is hard wait till your parents come and move in with you right (laughs) 
No, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but perspective is good. And, and sometimes, you know, in comparing yourselves with others, it's not good. But in this, I think it can be helpful because we can maybe get a better idea of what other people are doing and what other people are doing. Sometimes the answer is a good stretching. Like it stretches us, and next time we can handle more. And that's, that's important. And you might be saying, too, well, this is a season. Just like a farmer has planting and harvest time, those times are really busy, and so we, you know, hey, this is just a busy season, rest is coming. I think that's, that's important to think about, too, as long as it stays a season. Um, can help with perspective. So I had a really, well, my week last week did not go the way I wanted it to, and I had 20 heating services that I wanted to get done, and I'm like a month behind on those. And I only got seven done, and it was so frustrating. Other stuff just kept coming up, and I was going to study on Friday. And then I had two good repeat customers call me, and, on, and I had to go out on Friday and work till and I didn't get started till 2 o'clock um, with my study. And it was frustrating, and I was driving home, and I was thinking, I need, what, an iced coffee, <laughs> something. <clears throat> um. And I wanted to, I wanted to have one here this morning, but I, yeah, our coffee maker didn't work for some reason. I don't know what the deal was, but anyways, it, it's kind of funny, you know. We think, oh yeah, you know, an iced coffee, but the, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we all do that. Not all of us, maybe, but and it works. Caffeine works. A lot of us rely on caffeine to get us through these these tough times of of a lot of responsibility, and and it works. I promise you, it works. I I remember. Um, when the twins were babies, Missy and I were exhausted. Um, you know, you'd work all day, come home, take care of babies. You were up during the night, you know, five times with Emily, and, you know, I had to get up to help Missy with the babies and stuff during the night, and then get up and go to work, and it was, it was awful. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, you'd get home in the evening, and you're getting stuff, you know, trying to get people ready for bed, and you're about to collapse. And that's the truth. Like, you're about to fall asleep standing up. and But you go over to the fridge, and you grab, you know, maybe something sweet, um, like a Buckeye or a um, cookie or something. And five minutes later, you feel better, and you can keep going another hour or so. And I think I gained about 10 pounds over that time. But it works. And I, I, I've, I've never been a stress eater but I think I understand a little bit better now going through that. <clears throat> One time we went to Ohio, and uh, Missy's sisters watched the girls for a night, and Missy and I went to another house, actually, and slept. I think we slept for like 11 hours straight, un- uninterrupted, and it was, uh, it, was, it was awesome. But I'm not advising it, but I just wanted to mention it, that people turn to caffeine and that sort of thing when they're stressed. Um, some people to alcohol or um, nicotine, that sort of thing, as a way of coping. I would like to look this morning at Mark chapter 6, so you can turn to that, and I want to um, read about a time that was really hard in Jesus' ministry. This is a, uh, this is a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And it is actually recorded in every 
or in all the Gospels. And each one tells it kind of from a different angle. But I like the story here in Mark, how he tells it. Um, They kind of focus on different things. But Mark kind of talked about the experience of the disciples through this. So um, I'm going to read Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 7. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but to be shod with sandals and to not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Now, I want to turn to Matthew here. I'll just read this. You don't have to turn to it. Um, But it kind of gives more to the story here. Um, Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So we can see Jesus here delegating. He equipped his disciples. And I think it was a time of Jesus saying, wow, look at all this work that has to be done. There's no way I can do it myself. And so he sent out his disciples. So I'm going to keep reading here in Mark. And King Herod heard of him, this is verse 14, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show themselves in him, do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and said that it is a prophet, or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, it is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead, for Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod that it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and unholy, and observed him. And when he had heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee, unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou wilt give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. 
And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel. And the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all the things both which they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. So, um, and, and the others, in the other Gospels, it would appear that it was during this time that the apostles were out that was when um, John would have sent his two disciples to Jesus and they asked him who he was, and then um, John was killed shortly after that. And that would have been a big deal. I don't know what the disciples' relationship with John would have been, but it would have rocked their world at that time, and especially the the way it was done, I'm sure it would have been kind of scandalous. Um, <clears throat> and so then the disciples came back. Um, I'm going to reread verse 30 here. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart unto a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. So I'm sure the disciples were tired, and they wanted, you know, they had questions, I'm sure, too. They'd just come back from a journey, and there were so many people, so many crowded around, coming and going, that they didn't even have time to eat. And Jesus said, you know, he saw that, and he said, Hey, let's go somewhere and get some rest. Let's get away. Let's have a little vacation. And so I think it would appear that they kind of snuck out and uh, got in a ship and went to a desert place, a place away from everybody. And I'm just going to keep reading here. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were a sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So when they got there, I don't know, you know if their boat's pulling up to the dock and they see huge crowds of people waiting on them or if they got out and thought they had made it and then they started to come, I, I don't know. But it would have been so discouraging. And... uh and I think these people were probably coming to ask Jesus about John, and to, you know, because what was Jesus' response to what had happened? And they were grieving that everybody liked John, I think. And Jesus had compassion, began to teach him, uh, but the disciples did not. Verse 35. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And I can just hear it. We're so tired. We're so hungry. And now our relaxing time away is ruined. These people are relentless. My marriage problems are relentless. My children are relentless. My students, my customers, the people in my life are driving me crazy. Send them away. Verse 36, send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages. 
And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? And I don't know if if they were serious or not. Um, I'm assuming they were being sarcastic. Two hundred penny worth of bread. So a penny was a day's wage, if, if I understand it right. And so that would have been, I don't know, an average wage of 65000 a year would be, I don't know, 50000 thousand dollars. Should we go buy $50,000 worth of bread to feed these people? And there was, was 5,000 men, and I think in Matthew it says besides women and children. So there could have been 10,000, maybe more. And that only comes out to like $5 a piece. Like it's, it would have been realistic. I don't know if they had the money or not. But uh, <clears throat> haven't we given enough? Like Jesus, we were just out teaching all these people. We were just doing miracles, casting out devils, healing them, and we come back, and can't we, can't we have at least an, a day to rest? <clears throat> Send them away so they can buy their own food. Verse 38, He said unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And we, when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. So Jesus did a miracle. Everyone had enough food, and there was even some left. And then we'll keep reading here. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And notice that word, and straightway, um, or right away. And what happened, the other, another gospel, I think it's John maybe, that talks about the people were going to take Jesus by force and make him king. And so he got the disciples out of there, you guys get in the ship and go, and he escaped, he went up into a mountain to pray. So the point is, these people, you know, they taught him, they healed him, whatever, they came, they sacrificed their vacation for him, and they weren't even grateful. <laughs> they had a horrible response. <clears throat> but the story doesn't end. Let's keep reading here, verse 47. When, he, when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Now I think that's interesting. And this is how it is in life. Um, it seems like, you know, sometimes we think that God wants us to help all these people around us, and I think God is trying to to reach you, maybe. And so I think the disciples were like, well, we just, you know, did and sacrificed and did all this stuff, and 
we were the ones that were supposed to learn something? Like I thought we were supposed to be focusing on all the people and taking care of their needs, and I was supposed to learn something? <clears throat> what were the disciples supposed to learn? And Jesus was testing the disciples. And this, this, this account in John says that, that Jesus was testing them. What are you going to do? And the responsibilities that come from God in your life, what are you going to do? If you're out late at a school meeting till midnight, and then the next night uh, you have something else, and then the next night you're exhausted and you're tired, but your wife wakes you up to help with the baby, what are you going to do? <clears throat> or you work through all this, you're so tired, you plan a night away with your wife, and you're ready to take the children to the babysitter, and they call and say, hey, I'm sorry, but we can't watch them now after all. Oh, the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? <clears throat> so frustrating. What are you going to do? Jesus, we've been out reaching people for days. We've been healing them and teaching them. Can't we even have a little break? Can we at least eat something? <clears throat> suffering from responsibility is different than suffering from pain. If you suffer from pain, you can never escape. But you can escape suffering from responsibility. And you, you can just send away the people. Um, you can just not do it. And you hear stories of people doing that. Men forsaking their families or lashing out at their children or not coming home. Just send away the people. I need some me time. <clears throat> Jesus did this miracle, and they each had a basket of food left. They could eat. And if I think if they would have been paying attention they would have learned that the things that we long for in our suffering are sometimes satisfied by doing what God calls us to do, by doing the Lord's will. Let's send away the people so we can go into the village and buy some food, and then we can have some food. But they did God's will, and God worked a miracle, and they each had a whole basket, more than they needed. But their hearts were hard, and they didn't consider the miracle so, the test continued. Now, so you know what happened. Jesus sent the people away. They got on the boat and left. And they're sailing away. Hey, at least we have this. We're away from the people. It's nice. But a storm arose. And the waves were were high, and the wind was contrary, and so they had to row, and they were so exhausted, and they had to row, and it says they rowed for a certain amount of furlongs or whatever, um, about three and a half miles, and it appears they rowed most of the night, because Jesus came at the fourth watch, which is about um, between three and six o'clock in the morning, I believe, and he would have passed them by. He wasn't even going to stop in, and he was just going to keep going. And they thought they saw a ghost. And I, th I think this is funny because, not that I see ghosts, but I, I can relate. When you're exhausted, things get weird. 
and you start seeing stuff. Like, I've had that happen where all of a sudden, like, did something run through there? Or, I don't know. Things get weird. They thought they saw a ghost, and they cried out, and Jesus had mercy on them and came. <clears throat> as soon as he was in the boat, the wind stopped, and it doesn't say it here, but it says it in John, I believe. I'm not sure, but immediately the boat was where the, at the destination. So Jesus got in the boat, the wind calmed, and they were there. Crazy. I would, for me, okay, I'm going to, I want to, yeah. In our suffering, most of the time, the suffering is not because we have too much to do. Okay? <clears throat> if you have a machine and it's making parts and it keeps spitting out a part every three seconds, it just keeps doing that and keeps doing that. And it doesn't care if it has three months worth of work left to run or one week or ten years. It just keeps making the part, right? We are not like that. A machine is senseless, but we have thoughts, we have feelings, we have desires. <clears throat> the struggle for me is in my mind. I, my body could easily get up and go help with the children. My body could easily go take the trash out again. My body could do it. It would be fine. But I don't want to. My mind is so sick of this. I want to do something else. It's like this. We may think like, oh, I'm so tired. I just need to get away from work and, and take a break. My body is tired of working. And hey, do you want to go skiing? Oh, man, that sounds awesome. Yeah, let's go skiing for a day. Well, skiing is way harder than it is to work. It's harder on your body. Like, it makes you sore. But it would maybe ease your mind. And that's where I'm saying the struggle is most of the time in your mind, not so much in the in the in your schedule. Um Yeah, we want we want to do what we want to do. I deserve this vacation. I heard somebody say that on an airplane one time. They're flying to the DR and I deserve this vacation and I've worked so hard and I'm going to go enjoy it. A lot of times that's our that's our attitude. And we get so mad when something comes up and messes up our plans. And the question is, don't you think that like Jesus you should have compassion on the people? It's a battle of the flesh and the spirit and our minds. It's easy to do the things that we want to do, but it's hard to do the things that we don't want to do. I can't take any more of this work, but I can go play. And I would, yeah, invite Jesus to help you do battle with the flesh. Choose compassion over selfishness. Choose to love the people around you. Talk to God. Repent of your selfish desires. Rest is a good desire, but it's selfish if God is calling you to do something. And I'm, I'm talking about a genuine repentance of being willing to do what God wants you to do, not a... Um, well, fine, I'll go do it. <clears throat> and I think if you do that, I, I think, I don't know, from my experience, there's a couple things that could happen. I think you're going to get a sense, get a taste maybe of peace. Peace in the storm, peace in caring for a sick child. 
you're going to have a little bit of renewed strength. It'll be easier to do the work. And I think you'll have a basket that's full when you're done. Don't be surprised that confessing the desires of the flesh and pouring yourself into doing what you know God wants you to do is more rewarding than escaping for a day and then coming back into your struggle. And also understand that the work will probably go on. I I just think it's so interesting. Um, I'm going to keep reading here at verse 53. And when they had passed over, so remember, the disciples were tired. They got in the boat, they went all day, and then they went all night, and it was strenuous at night. When they had passed over, when they got to the place where they were going, and drew to the shore, and when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him, and ran throughout that whole region round about, and began to carry about in beds those that were sick, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages, or cities, or country, they laid the sick in the streets, and besought him that, he might, that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment, and as many as touched him were made whole. So it didn't stop, um, but I think they went with renewed vision and um, passion for what God wanted them to do. So I would imagine that you'll find that the work goes on. And there's, there's other stories that kind of bring this out too. Um, and the one that, that I really like is Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And if you read that story, Jesus came to the well, and it appears that he was too tired to go on. He rested at the well. His disciples went into town to get food to bring back out to him. And he ministered to the, to the woman at the well, and they talked and everything. When the disciples came back, they offered him food, and he said he didn't need it. And they wondered. They said, well, did somebody give you food? Like... <clears throat> And Jesus said, it's meat, or my meat is to do the will of God. And I think that's, I think that's true. In summary, I think I would say to someone suffering from responsibility, this might sound like I'm pushing you to do more, to do more. And that's not at all what I'm trying to say. Um, use wisdom, say no when it's possible, delegate when possible, manage your time well, learn from those who have done it before you. But in those times where you have to do it, um, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying that you need to do it. Have compassion for people. Don't be hard-hearted. Stir up compassion for the people in your life. Do battle with the flesh. Recognize that it's not a battle with a to-do list or the people in your life. It's a battle with your heart. And invite Jesus into your struggle. You don't know. The storm might still. The waves might quiet. You might find yourself at your destination. You can't do it alone, and that much is pretty obvious, I think. If you're struggling with it, obviously you can't do it by yourself. And I guess along with that, it's interesting that Jesus was going to walk right by him. And Jesus isn't going to, you know, hammer into your heart and plow in there and fix whatever needs fixing. No, he's waiting to be cried out to or to be asked. So, um, and then be humble. There is nothing, I don't think, that shows our humanity more than going to God and saying, man, I am having a hard time managing my five children when God has 8 billion, 
and he's running the whole world. And God knows that. Um, he knows what our limitations are. Um, and he doesn't chide with us like I might chide with you. You can't take care of five. Grow up, man. Like, come on. God doesn't do that. Um, <clears throat> he fed the people when the, dis- when the disciples didn't want to. And he stilled the storm when they cried out. I think God will come and meet you where you're, where you're at. And then, um, I guess lastly, and I said this last time I preached too, but don't use your suffering as a, an excuse to sin. If that's kind of your, your uh, if, that's your, if you kind of lean towards that, like, you know, I wouldn't normally sin, but man, when life gets hard, then I need to sin a little bit. That sounds like idolatry, and that's not, that's not a good thing. I don't know if this will help you kind of grasp. I, I feel like I'm not being very clear I don't know. I really like Samson's riddle. If this helps you grasp what I'm trying to say, out of the eater came forth meat. Out of that thing that was so hard, that that lion that was out to kill us, came forth meat. Out of the strong, out of that thing that I wrestled with and I, I fought and I, it took everything I had, out of the strong came forth sweetness. And to me, I think I've experienced that in, in struggling through a lot of responsibility and hard things that I don't want to do. When we win those battles, there's sweetness and there's nourishment there, spiritual nourishment for our souls. Well, I hope that made sense. May the Lord bless you.